Generator Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you heal, align, and expand your intuition. With high vibe content and lightened conversations and weekly energetic updates, we are here to help you get and stay lit by connecting you to your highest self. Get inspired by tuning in to today's episode of The Generator Podcast. Welcome back to the Generator Podcast. I'm Victoria, and I'm one of your hosts of the Generator Podcast. And I am here solo today for today's intro. Laura is not feeling so well. She is running a fever. And so just send all the good vibes her way that she'd be feeling better. And A lot of times she's been moving through a ton and she's been posting it on the Instagram. So I feel safe saying this, but she's just been moving a ton of energy. And when you move that much energy, you do, you open yourself up and sometimes it's sickness purging. Sometimes you're just so open that you pick something up or, and ultimately it's all, it's all the same, (laughs) whether it's a germ or whether it's something you're purging, it's all the same with different names. So I'm going to do a quick little intro for you today, and we're going to get into this episode. First of all, I hope everyone enjoyed that full moon this weekend in Leo. It was at 20 degrees of Leo on Sunday, February 9th, I believe at 2.38 a.m. Eastern time. So if you're central, that's 1.38 a.m. If you are West Coast, that's actually 11, around 11.30 on the night of the 8th, so Saturday night. So just wondering how you all experienced that. Um, for me, it's my rising sign, and it's opposing, whew, it's opposing my north node, um, which, was, which was fun. <laughs> your north node's your purpose. So wherever a full moon, full moons are completions of endings of cycles, And they'll bring up emotions. They'll bring to your awareness emotions and processes you've had in a certain area. So for me, it was in my first house, which is personality. It's your house of your physical self. It's the body. It's your ego. It's how you show up in the world. So I had that. So you want to look at that. So you can look at where this full moon and every it was in everybody's chart, whether you are a Leo moon sun or anything like that, or even a rising, it's still in your chart. So that's a really, I know a lot of people have reached out and asked like, Hey, how did you start learning astrology? What was that process? Like, honestly, what I did was I kept my chart on my phone. And every time somebody referenced a planet, a house, whatever in a podcast, I looked at my phone, I looked at my chart and I was like, okay, where is, okay. They're talking about the moon in a house. Okay. My moon is in my, um, this house. So, or they're talking about Leo. Where's Leo in my chart? Okay. Leo for me is my first house. So this full moon was in my first house and you all can do that too. So, um, like Laura, she's a Pisces rising. So for her, Leo is in her sixth house, which is the house of, uh, it's the house of health and wellness and sickness and, 
your physical, like your daily routines and paying your bills. It can also rule like pets and subordinates and some things like that. But overall, it's like physical health. Like it's how you're taking care of yourself. So having the moon go through that house, the moon perk can pull up some emotions and can pull up how you're feeling and the depths and ending a cycle. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that she isn't ending having a full moon through that house if she's not ending a cycle of dealing with chronic sickness because she has for years and that's can be a cycle ending. So um yeah, without going too much into her chart, that's really it's really cool to look where your moon is for where Leo is. So you can kind of see, cause every month we have a full moon. So every month you are faced with new cycles and a new area of your life. So that is being called to get a closer look and come pull some things up. And then also depending on how it's aspecting other areas of your chart or, you know, what other houses across from it, that's a little bit more advanced astrology. So, but for right now, do that. Go pull up your chart. I'll put a link in the intro. I mean, in the show notes and find out where Leo is for you and where this full moon hit for you. Super curious to hear about that. So DM us and let us know. But other than the full moon, we're also in the shadow phase of Mercury retrograde in Pisces. And I know everybody has these big freakouts about Mercury retrograde, and then everybody has all these things to say about why you shouldn't have big freakouts about Mercury retrograde. And it's just honestly kind of confusing. So I'm not going to give too much of my opinion on that. I'm just going to give the facts and you take with it what you will. The facts are Mercury goes into retrograde three to four times a year, every year. It's not a new thing. We have been experiencing this our entire lives three to four times a year, just like we experience the seasons changing about four times a year. So rather than having this massive freak out, it would be a lot more beneficial to go, this is just something that is always going to happen. It's always been happening. And how can I, now that I know about it and have a better awareness of astrology, how can I prepare myself for it? How can I get the most out of it? Because Mercury retrograde is really about reviewing, resetting, recalibrating. It's about looking in where maybe some things that you need to deal with in a particular area. So it's in Pisces. So it's going to it might affect you emotionally. It may make the way that you're seeing relationships a little fuzzy. It may bring things into question such as the mystical realm, such as maybe not so much religion, but mysticism and your dreams. And But depending on what house is it, it's going to bring up themes having to do in that house. So for me, it's in my house of sexuality and repressed and it's even the house of death and taxes and it's not as much in psychology. So I know that those are themes that are going to be coming up for me. So if that doesn't give you any reason why we're doing an episode about sexuality, just for the record, I did not realize that we were in the shadow phase of Mercury retrograde when we recorded and decided to release this episode. But it is funny to me because that is totally what my Mercury retrograde is going to be about. And I'm a Capricorn, so I tend to feel energy a little bit earlier. If you're a cardinal sign, you do. So if you're a Libra, Cancer, 
Aries or Capricorn, you may already have been feeling the themes associated with this Mercury retrograde, especially now that we're in the shadow. So I am very aware that topics of sexuality are an intimacy, not just like banging one out, but like true intimacy with a partner. Those themes are up for me. So honestly, super excited about that for myself, because I think that there's a lot of healing coming in that area for me. So, and now just kind of giving you guys a brief overview of what we're about to get into in today's episode. Today we go in and we talk about our own journeys with sexuality, but we also talk about places where we're still healing in our sexuality and places where specifically control and how we use control or have used control in different ways when it comes to our sexuality, whether that's shutting it down and not having sexuality and not having a sex drive or convincing yourself you don't have one, or whether that's using sex as some form of a bait in relationship rather than having sex with a person when you feel safe and ready. And But also, it's not just about sex with a person. It's about your sexuality. Because every time that the subject of sex gets brought up, everyone wants to jump to having sex with a partner. Guess what? That's not your sexuality. That is your, that is your sexuality, your sexual connection with another human. It is not your sexuality. Now your sexuality is brought to the table and is in combination with their sexuality and their relationship with it. But ultimately how you connect with yourself that is your sexuality. So we talk about that today and we confront some of those things. And this entire conversation was honestly inspired by the Goop Lab. They had an episode called, um, I think it was The Pleasure is Ours or something, or The Pleasure is All My, I don't remember. It's in our show notes. You can take a look at it there, but it's fantastic. And it's talking, if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. It's amazing. And I'm not going to lie, when I watched it, I was like cringing. I didn't want to watch it at first. And then I watched it all the way through, cried, just cried so much, got a ton of breakthrough just by watching it and realizing that, oh, I don't feel like I own my sexuality. Oh, that's, I'm seeing patterns pop up now as where I haven't done that in the past and how that's affected me. And how sexuality for me has always been about the other person. And I've known that and I've been healing parts of that part of my story. But watching this episode really showed me that not only do I need to be healing my sexuality, but nurturing it and not quote unquote fixing it, but helping it grow and helping it expand and become a part of me that I really value and cherish and aside from a partner. And I've been in that process, but I think what obviously Mercury retrograde is going through that part of my house. But I think that for me, it's bringing that piece to the forefront of my mind. It's bringing that, it's shining a light on it for me right now. So, and Laura is also in a similar process as you will hear on today's episode. So we start out today's episode with breathwork and meditation. Laura will lead you through a breathwork and then I will lead you through a guided meditation. So we wanted to do that because we really wanted to bring a sense of groundedness before we jump into this episode, because we do understand that sexuality can be a very touchy subject, very triggering subject for people. So 
we aren't telling you what to do with your body. We aren't telling you what to believe about what you're supposed to do with your body. All we are doing is holding a microphone up to our conversation and our process about sexuality. So feel free to take pieces that resonate with you and leave what doesn't. Um, but we just, I just want to encourage you before we even get into this episode, just to take a moment and just check in with yourself and see how you're feeling right now. If you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling happy, if you're feeling excited, if you're feeling rushed, if you're feeling lazy, however you're feeling today, or even about this subject, how are you feeling when you're, you're like, I don't really know if I want to listen to this episode, or maybe I kind of want to listen to it, but I don't know, or maybe feeling like I should know all this. I, you know, I don't know why I need to listen to an episode. I should know everything about my sexuality. And I just want to say to you, you can never stop learning and growing and evolving your sexuality. So let's just nip that in the bud right now. You are welcome here, regardless of where you find yourself on that journey. So without further ado, we do hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. We are so excited to be here with you today. We are going to be talking about sexuality. And before we get started with this episode, we thought it would be a great idea to start out with some breath work. So I'm going to lead you through a guided breath work routine, and then Victoria is going to guide you in a meditation. So I just want you to get comfortable, and you can either sit or lay down, or if you're driving in the car, please be mindful. And I'm going to have you close your eyes and settle your body. And we're going to breathe in through our nose for a count of five, hold for a count of five, and then breathe out our mouth for a count of five. And I want you to focus the breath into the bottom of your belly, into your diaphragm, and really breathe in deeply as you do this. So breathe in. Hold at the top for five. Breathe out for five. We're going to do this again. Breathe in for five. Hold for five. Breathe out for five. And once more, breathe in for five. Hold for five. Breathe out for five. And as you do this next inhale, I just want you to observe where you feel the flow within your body. Breathe in for five. Hold for five. Breathe out for five. 
And on this very last inhale, I want you to observe where you feel any stuck energy in your body and guide the breath to that area to release. Breathe in for five. Hold for five. Breathe out for five. Beautiful. And now Victoria is going to guide us in a meditation. Simply continue breathing for at the same rate. Five in. Five hold. Breathing out for five. And just continue doing this on your own. Focusing on your breath. Focusing on that air, filling up every area of your body. Feeling any emotion that that might be hitting that's locked in your body. Any sadness or heaviness. And just begin to let those emotions slowly move out of the body. And if another wave of sadness or pain or anger, anxiety or joy or peace or calm, whatever the emotion is, just let it come and be with that emotion until it's ready to pass and just allow it to pass on its own. You don't need to force it out. You also don't need to hang on to it. When it's time for you to experience another wave, you will. And I want you to imagine the space right at your belly, where your belly button is. And I want you to put your hands on your belly and just feel the air If your belly feels soft, just observe that and send love to that. If it's in pain or tight, just sending love to your belly. As it is the source where life is made. It's our connection with our mother. It's the first way we were ever fed. And just honor that place of your body. It's also where us as women hold life and give life. 
And I want you to just slowly feel yourself sinking into safe, nurture, that feminine energy that's inside of your belly, whether you're a man or a woman, that life force, that connection with the mother is still there. It's still there. And then I just want you to come back into the rest of your body, placing your hands wherever it's comfortable. And I want you to call to attention a time in your life. Maybe it was the first time or just a pivotal time where you learned something important about your own sexuality. This doesn't have to be a good or a bad thing you learned. It doesn't matter, just whatever it is, just let it come to you. And whatever emotion you feel thinking of that moment, that lesson you've learned about sexuality, whether you've kept it since then or not, whether you still live by that belief or not, just be with that for right now. And whatever emotion is coming up, just sit with that as well. I'm sensing collectively there's some anger, frustration, nervousness, confusion. Almost even survival mode. Feeling like we just can't relax. But I'm also sensing a really heavy, when I say heavy, I don't mean bad. I just mean weighty sense of the importance of our sexuality, of connecting with it as women and as men, connecting with the masculine and feminine parts of our sexuality. And I want you to set an intention of healing for the rest of this episode. And I want that to be relative to what you're feeling right now with that first thought that came up. So if you're feeling calm, happy, I want you to imagine what you would like to add to, what you'd like to come from that. Do you want to feel more powerful in your sexuality, confident? If you're feeling anxious or stressed or angry or sad, 
I want you to, if you can pick whatever you'd like, but maybe peace or stillness or calm around this area, compassion with yourself. Or whatever, maybe it's clarity. Maybe it's play. Maybe it's feeling more like you're in your feminine and you can enjoy it more. Maybe it's pleasure. You know, that's not a bad word. That's not an unspiritual word. As humans, and specifically as women and as men, but as women, we need to learn that we're allowed to feel and experience pleasure in sexuality. In fact, it's really good. It's really healthy. And so right now, with whatever you're feeling, I want you to put your hand on your heart and just send yourself compassion and love. Send yourself hope and peace. And when you're ready, you can slowly begin to come back into your body. Taking one or two last inhales and exhale. And slowly fluttering your eyes open and coming back to join the conversation with Laura and I about sexuality. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Whew, I feel great. I know. That was such a good release and so needed when this topic of sexuality, it's programmed in us to have it be like a trigger word mm-hmm. <laughs> and to have shame and fear surrounding that kind of just pop up. So we thought it would be such a great way to start out the conversation is from a grounded place. Yeah. And just so you guys know, this is going to be a very conversational episode. So we're not necessarily, I mean, of course you might learn something or pick something up from today. We hope you do, but we're not really necessarily trying to teach you anything. We're really having a conversation about our journey with sexuality and where we've seen it, how it's formed, what how what different influences have how it shaped our own and people around us and really wherever there's not we're not we don't have much of a structure to today's episode um so but saying that just knowing that this is also a journey that Laura and I are both on and trying to figure that out and so we really we always want people to think for themselves and 
have their own beliefs and have their own opinions. But we really just want to say, especially on this episode, that we don't, we're very much in a fluid place with this and our belief systems. So we are giving you a very unprocessed, unorganized look at a current process we're both in. And I think it's important to do episodes like this because we're always telling people like, it's okay. Like you have to be in the process. The journey is the important part, but then, you know, most of the stories we share are ones of things we've gotten breakthrough in, or we really feel like are organized. So I feel like it's important to have these types of conversations too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very real time process that we are both in, (laughs) which is perfect because people are going to get to feel like not only have this feeling of being able to relate, but also the, the grace to be wherever you are and it's okay. It's okay to not have it fully embodied or eradicated all the shame and fear surrounding it. It's okay to be wherever you are on the journey of this. And we just kind of want to be open to share about our process with it because it's been something that's kind of been heightened lately that, um, yeah, that's really actually been instigated for me, which is through um, the show on Netflix called Goop Labs. Is it Goop Labs or Goop? It's Goop Lab. Goop Lab. And they had a brilliant episode on sexuality um, for women in particular. And that was a huge um, catalyst for me on looking at my belief system surrounding my own personal body and how I relate to it, how I see it, how I accept it in the places where I haven't accepted it and thought that I was not good enough. And that I highly recommend for anyone to kind of go and watch to get some more language for it and to kind of break down the shame programming that we have surrounding sexuality. Yeah. Because it was, yeah. Yeah. So we're just going to, we have nothing planned. We have no questions planned and we're just literally going to launch into a conversation. So, um, yeah. So you're, we're kind of just letting you guys, we're holding a microphone up to a conversation. So just saying that, um, Yeah, I don't know. I guess we already said that, but here we go. So real, real, real time, guys. Um, So Laura, where are you at about sexuality lately? (laughs) Well, I think it's important in order to say where I'm at with sexuality to say where I've come from, because I think it's really shaped a lot of my belief systems and, and what I'm actively trying to reframe. And I grew up with a very um, biblical, close-minded view of sex is shameful and you don't talk about it. And it's only allowed when you're married. But even when you're married, you don't talk about it. You don't share. And so I've always had this uncomfortability around the topic And felt like the only way I could experience it is if I hit it and did my own research or, you know, went and experienced things 
for myself, but never told anyone about it. So there was so much shame surrounding being able to show up and to ask questions and feel like I could be in a process. That's probably the biggest thing is like, I did not feel like I had permission to be in a process of asking questions, not knowing. Like anytime I had a question, I felt shame about not knowing or shame about even wanting to know and feeling like I was messy or bad for wanting to enjoy it or be connected to myself or be connected to another human. The very idea of intimacy, there was so much shame surrounding that. And so I have worked through a lot of those limiting belief systems within um, the programming that I grew up in of, you know, you, you can't, you can't explore not even your own physical body and how to pleasure it and connect to it and love it, but also to share that with someone else. So I had a very secretive (laughs) journey of exploring my body with other men. And it really turned into a power struggle, I think is the term. I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. I, I use sexuality as a sense of control because I did oh, like know. over men. Yes. Thank you. So I, because I felt powerless and insecure and confused around the topic, the only way I knew how to gain power was to use it over men and to feel a sense of power. And there's a lot of other things that play into why I chose to do it that way. Um, but that was my primary experience was dominating men with my sexuality, with my sex appeal, with my body. And so instead of being vulnerable and asking for what I wanted, my entire experience with pleasure and connection with another human being was making them feel good because it actually felt too vulnerable for me to share what I wanted. It felt like I was letting them into places that I haven't even let myself explore. So I was kind of in an exploration, but of someone else, (laughs) how to pleasure them or how to, I hate to say it, but use them to feel a sense of security. And so that I have had to work through not only breaking down my um, need and desire for power, because I felt so insecure and powerless inside, but also how to look at myself within and see how to connect to my own body to meet my own needs and to show up vulnerably with myself first so that I can come to a partner and show up and ask for what I want. And that's kind of the thing that I'm learning right now is how to have needs within my sexuality. How did that show up? For you like with men in partnership like the dominance and the control because I think a lot of women probably do this and don't realize it and I think maybe giving an example if you feel comfortable of what that looked like could be helpful yeah of course um one way was to send them photos like sexy photos and there was two things with this One, because I was trying to hook them and get their attention and get compliments, but also because I knew how to work the system and I knew how to 
I knew what they wanted or the ones that I was attracting, I knew what they wanted. Cause I don't think all men will play into that and want that kind of manipulation and control. But when why was it coming... manipulation? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're about to answer what I was going to say. <laughs> when you're coming from a place of um, powerless and insecurity and not feeling complete within yourself and your own sexuality and you're using your sexuality to get a need met from an unhealthy place, you will attract that same type of energy. So I use the manipulation and control because I felt insecure, because I didn't feel lovable, because I felt like a, a sense of um, not good enough. And so I was like, oh, this is how I feel powerful. This is how I feel like I can connect. And so I would attract those type of men that would fall into that trap, you could say, um, of playing into kind of the fishing rod that I would put out there. I would attract that man back. So through photos, sexy photos, I would send them. Um, I'm trying to think because it's been so long since I've done this. <laughs> Well, what was your, cause I don't even, what was your like goal? Like what was your end goal when you like saw a dude? Cause I mean, like I was like, I mean, like I remember like when I was in college and I was like definitely more using men or to get a need met. Like I felt like I had a goal. Like I felt like I was like, okay, I'm going to like, oh, that guy, I want that guy's attention and I want to get his attention to this point, And I think I can. And it would become like, what do you feel like your goal was? I would say it was just to, it, I wanted to satisfy them sexually. Yeah. And once I did that, I felt like I'm a badass. Look at me. So it was a personal like power that got like a hit that I got after pleasuring them in the way. And I would like get so excited about being the best. Like I wanted them to be like, Oh my God, you're the best at this. And that would give me like a high. Cause I, it was all about competition for me. I remember making even with guys, like any kind of sexual activity we would do, I would try to turn it into some competition <laughs> because I just wanted to win. I wanted to dominate. I wanted to feel powerful. Who did you want to beat? Do you feel like you wanted to beat other women or you wanted to beat them? That's a great question. I think it, I think it was twofold. I think I wanted to win over the guy because I wanted them, but I think the more dominant point was just wanting to feel empowered. Yeah. Within yeah. myself. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. And I, that's kind of, yeah, like that breakdown. And I think looking at it, I think maybe every woman doesn't do it by sending pictures or do it by trying to one up in bed or whatever. But I feel like women, we can identify with wanting and men, but I'm just thinking about like women as we relate. A lot of times we do feel vulnerable when it comes to sex and when it comes to all this stuff, but and when it comes to the opposite set, just in life, I think we can feel vulnerable in a way we can feel powerful, especially with men is through our sexuality. And, you know, I think that comes out, that's come out in culture that, but I think all of us can look at that and look within and be like, okay, where have I done that? 
like even playing hard to get like that's power it's a power struggle and I totally can relate to like what you're saying in like my own version so it's just but I just think it's I think for us as women to really understand our sexuality I think it's really important for us to look at like places we've actually used it where it's not been healthy like places where we yeah we've used it as a manipulative tool because if we use it like that it's difficult to then also use it as a source of connection so true and I think even when I feel disconnected from myself that's my go-to is to sexually Mm, connect yes that's a very, that's like one of the main things I have to watch consistently with myself is am mm-hmm. I, am I pursuing this because I'm feeling the overflow? I'm feeling that like my heart is already open. My heart is already full and I'm wanting to add to and to connect. Or am I doing this because, because I, either I feel disconnected from myself and I feel insecure. And so I'm trying to feel powerful or I feel disconnected from my partner and I'm trying to get them to connect. So I'm using sex. Cause I do that a lot, even in my relationship. If I feel my boyfriend feeling disconnected. My, like my natural brain is like the first thing that goes off in my brain is like, Oh, we need to have sex and then we'll connect. Why? Because I've built that pattern in my brain that sex is connection, which I'm not saying it isn't. But if that's the only way you see that you can get connection, that's going to be the thing that you keep going after over and over and over. And when I do it from a place of just trying to get him to connect, it always ends up feeling like a weird hangover after sex. It doesn't feel abundant and flowy and like connective it almost feels like there's a little bit of an uh that didn't feel fully satisfying because it was coming from a wrong intention within totally that's interesting I do the same thing but it's funny because with my boyfriend I can't I don't I have stopped doing this completely and I don't struggle with this anymore but not because I'm so (laughs) I've really got this down It's because he just doesn't do it. If I am coming at him with that energy, he just shuts (laughs) my ass down. So I, (laughs) and he's always done that. And, and I know it's like, not, it's not that he has to be the one pursuing. He just, it responds to my energy because there's plenty of times where I initiate and it's coming from like this place of overflow. It's coming from this place of connection. It's coming from this place of safety and it's amazing. And I feel powerful. Mm -hmm. And he, I mean, like, He's said this multiple. He's like, I love when you feel powerful. I think it's so sexy. Like he doesn't have an issue with me being powerful and feeling in my body and feeling sexy. What he, but he is like that energy of I'm going to use sexuality, even just touching, even anything to connect. He is like, just shuts it down. And so I feel like I had to learn pretty early on that that's what was happening. And I used to say it's because he was a manifester. <laughs> I used to say he's a manifester. So it has to be his idea or it's not going to happen like on uh, human design. Um, but now I'm like, let's be honest. The times when he shuts me down are when I'm not do, I'm doing it out of a place of fear and lack and scarcity and not from a place of abundance. I'm connecting to get. Mm-hmm. When you first 
experience that in a relationship? Did you naturally go into like a rejected place or like a triggered place within like, I'm not good enough? Or did you just know, oh, I'm coming from the wrong energy? Um, that's a great question. I would say when I was younger in relationships, I a hundred percent felt rejected, like absolutely felt rejected. Um, and there was nothing, I mean, there was, there was no deeper layer than that. It just was, I felt terrible. Um, and I would normally like pull back and then like be mean and edgy out of like, I feel hurt. And in this relationship, it's without going too like revealing too much just out of we have a we're fairly private and that's just an out of respect for him I'm not going to be super descriptive um or give a ton of details however um I'll say that we we have a long relationship we've been friends for a long time and we've been intimate on several levels And I know at a deep, deep level that his heart is never to reject me. And I've also seen when I have been in this most like insecure place, like even as friends in college, he was so loving and so kind. Um, And I, so I was like, I don't feel rejected by you. I can't really feel what I'm feeling. So it was, it's almost like I was so on his team that I just was like, he can't be rejecting me. Because that's just not who he is. And that's just not this relationship. And if anything, he would turn around and say like, hey, I was feeling really insecure or tired or and he would give me like, this is why I don't want to do this instead of me feeling like it was me. Because I think he he has a beautiful awareness of like sexuality when it comes to women and he is very aware that that is vulnerable and scary and for me putting myself out there. So him just even like, he doesn't want me to guess. He doesn't want me to think that, you know, maybe this is personal or, you know, whatever. He wants me to know that I know that, no, this is because I'm taking care of myself and I'm tired or I'm not in the mood or, and we have like an agreement in our sex life that we do not do it out of obligation period. Mm. So if like, I remember last summer, I, we weren't going to see each other for a month because I was going to Europe and he was going on the road and it just was going to, it was going to be about a month. And the night before he was supposed to leave, we were just exhausted. We were drained. We were just not. And we started to like twice and we both were just so out of it. And I was like, and I just was like, Hey, you know what? We don't have to do this. Like, I know we're not going to see each other for a month, but it's okay. And he's like, thank you. And we like, and like, it meant so much because the truth is, is we have enough security in our relationship that if we don't, we don't have to get this like hail Mary bang in before we don't see each other for a month and it's okay. And it's actually more about us connecting and giving what each other needs at that time. And at that time, both of us needed rest more than we needed sex. That's so So, good. It's kind of a long answer, but it's, I think it's, you know, 
we have as I think as women, especially we have like these stupid calculations in our heads. And I know you've asked me and I have totally do it. Like how much is it normal to have sex a week? And Mm -hmm. I do it. And even when you, Laura, you've asked me that before. And I was like, why do you want to know that Laura? Why do you need to know? (laughs) Because I was probably being so like judgy because not judgy, but like, no, I'm not going to tell you that because I know like the week before I was like, Hmm, how many times a week oh do I God. think it's normal? We didn't have sex four nights this week. Hmm, it's been a week. We can't, shouldn't go longer than a week. Like having these like freaking calculations in our head, my head of what's healthy and what's not. It's so real. I panic all the time. Like it's a, I often have felt like the way that society has portrayed men where they just think about sex all the time. I feel like that. So I, I'm but in a like, different way. It's in a, a different, different way. Obsession about sex. It's right. about what that means, what it means, <laughs> and the connection and the lack yeah. of there and the security. Yeah. It's no. not because we want to get off. No, 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 no. And I've tried to explain that to my boyfriend because he's like, "You want sex a lot," and I was like, "It's not about the sex, though. It's not. I if I just wanted to get off, I could go masturbate." It's about the connection with you and feeling that intimate bond. And when I am not feeling that for a week, I start to freak out like, oh my gosh, is there something wrong? What do we need to do? Do we need to like, (laughs) what do we need to do in order to get reconnected? And that's the thing that like terrifies me is like the disconnection, which also is a deep trigger for me in general Mm -hmm. because of where how I grew up in my relationship with men is that deep seated fear of disconnection and not being seen or heard or loved in that way. Mm, So mm -hmm. that's like my go-to thing is like hyper-focusing. So if I feel out of control in my life, in whatever area, the very first thing that gets brought to the forefront of my mind is my sex life with my boyfriend. (laughs) How is it doing? Are we having enough sex? And that is my indicator. I've taught my brain that when that starts to happen, it's actually showing me there's an area in my life that I feel out of control in, has nothing to do with sex, has nothing to do with our relationship falling apart. It's that I need to go address my feeling of being out of control in my life in some area and self-nurture. And then generally that obsessive thing kind of dissolves and isn't as heightened or frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a bit of an advantage in this area just because we've been friends for so long. So I think we have lots of ways that we have built into our relationship to connect and that are based in friendship and that are, I mean, because, you know, for eight and a half years, is it how long is it? Now I'm like, get confused our timeline of dating versus our timeline of friendship. But I think about not nine years. I mean, most of our relationship, eight years, so whatever, it doesn't matter. Most of our relationship at this point is friendship. So, and we're just unlocking the romantic side of things. And Ooh. I mean, just, I mean, we've been together for about um, about 10 months, but still that's, you know, we're still unlocking it. We're still, you know, in that process. But I think that the connection piece, when a lot of relationships, you build that friendship after you do the romance. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when that's the case, then that's that's scary. That's a scary that's a scary breakdown because yeah. you're now have to find out, okay, this is my lover, but can they also be my friend? Yep. That's very real. I remember that being the only way I did things was the the sex or messing around, whatever, before I'd built any kind of connection, safety with them, trust. So it was, it, it broke the relationship every time, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But even, but even in a healthy romantic relationship, like where you, like you met, you didn't meet Erickson and think this could be a fun guy. I could go like, you weren't talking to him with intentions of like him being a friend. No, no. Like you went into the relationship thinking like, viewing him as a potential partner or a boyfriend or even just a date or somebody you could hang out with, but you weren't going into it as like, maybe this guy could be my new BFF. Mm -mm. No, no, I was definitely into him day one. (laughs) Yeah. So, and you guys, but you also, there was an intention set. Like you guys, do you want to tell people how you met? Um, well, we met on Tinder, the dating app, and I had been, I know, the dating app that everyone says is only for trashy sex and trashy, no, I don't know what people say about it. I don't really care what people say, because I found my man on Tinder, and it worked for me, so we, oh, I think a lot of people get in relationships on Tinder, a lot, most of my friends that I know that are in, oh, my brother met his fiance on Tinder. I had a friend in really? college meet her husband on Tinder. Oh yeah. That's I think that's your perception of it. Or maybe oh, a perception that's what of I've the people heard. around you. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. anyone I've ever told, they've always had like a really? Like all I've ever heard is terrible stories. And I'm like, well, I always make the joke that I met I met a tender hearted man on Tinder and it worked for me. Oh, so cute. Dude, but are the people that you're talking to, are they, do they live in big cities or not? It's been a, it's been a mashup. Okay. I kind of have a theory that I think a lot of like bigger cities, it's just the way you meet people. So I think that there's a little less of a stigma on like dating apps in bigger cities, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that feels real. <laughs> I used yeah, to travel cause... two cities to get on dating apps. <laughs> I did. Yeah, because the the freaking town we lived in was so small. Dear God. Like it was. You, I remember like going to LA one time and turning on Tinder because I never yeah. turned it on where we lived because there's like 30, 40 people mm-hmm. on there. Literally, that's it. And it's, they're sketchy like, as fuck. Oh, always. You might find like one on there <laughs> yeah. that like is a true, but and then you just see that same one over yeah. and over and over. And you <laughs> and might even just, know him already. <laughs> Yeah, and normally with me, like, I might have talked to him, like, the first time I got on Tinder for, like, 10 minutes, and then the conversation flushed and went nowhere, and then I was like, well, you're my only option, so I feel like maybe in a year I'll try again. It's so real. But then I remember going to LA and turning on my Tinder and being like, oh, like, I got so overwhelmed. I was like, yeah. there are so many people here. You never there run so- out. Never. It's crazy. <laughs> It's so overwhelming. Whew. I will say that only when I was like in like professional dating mode 
did I ever run out in Nashville? Really? And I think I talked about this in an earlier episode. I get very tunnel vi- like when I'm I'm all in. So if I'm dating, I'm on like five different apps. I'm getting my friends to set me up. I'm reading relationship books. I'm doing relationship meditations every day. I'm yep. like I am all it like my manifestation game and I think that's really what it is I am like a method actor when it comes to my manifestation game I'm like what does a girl in a relation like I am just all in so we should probably do an episode on that that's it's a little terrifying anyway so tangent but lighthearted way of saying I think that tinder is I don't think there's anything weird about tinder and I think probably a lot of people I mean, yeah, I know of a lot of people that have met people on Tinder and Bumble and all that. I love I mean, I got Bumble on, the most. I hated Bumble. Really? Yeah. That's I feel funny. like we're going to get like hate email from Bumble now. <laughs> Actually, I would love that. Oh my God. Can you imagine if like oh somebody that worked at Bumble like messaged us and we're like, screw yeah. you guys. You don't even know. I would be so happy. Hey, they can email us because I just said I love it and you said you didn't like it. So we have a split. That's true. A split. I don't even know the word. <laughs> split vote. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, but I met him on Tinder, and he lived, like, an hour and 20 minutes away from me. Mm -hmm. The entire time I lived in Reading, which is so funny to me. He lived in an even smaller town than I did for the whole time. We were that far apart. I never thought that was possible. I thought for sure, without a doubt, I would have to go to a city to find a man. But I worked really hard on my belief system surrounding that. And I remember when I was going through the dating apps and like meeting guys in cities and getting frustrated that they weren't in my area, I got really clear with the universe. And I was like, listen, you're showing me all these options and I believe they're going to come through, which is why they are. But I'm no longer going to create the stigma that I can only find men when I'm in a city rather than where I live. So I got super clear. I was like, I am attracting this type of man so close to me that we can go on dates normally and I don't have to drive hours and hours away to see them. And then he popped up. So shit works, man. Yeah, man. So anyways, going relating that back to like sexuality. Like, yeah, because like. I think, but when you meet like that, which I mean, I think that's pretty normal or even like if, you know, you meet somebody and you like have had a crush on them and they ask you out like whatever. And, but your relationships mainly built on romance and the romantic, you know, pursuit, courting, dating, whatever thing, that's a totally different energy and dynamic that you guys have than people that were like friends for a long time. Absolutely. So I've always found I mean, I've done both. I've been in relationships where I met and we were, you know, you know, instantly started dating. I've had situations where like I was friends with them for like a month and, but we were pretty much dating the whole time. Um, And, you know, in every, it's hard. It's, but in the times that I've like dated somebody, my uh, one other long-term relationship, like, I think that's probably why we started hitting a lot of rocky points because I didn't see him as my friend Mm, and we never and I don't and I think I mean I think that's a stage you hit but I think in all honesty if we weren't dating I wouldn't have wanted to be his friend 
Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do that, at least maybe when we're younger, that we're with people that we wouldn't want to be friends with, which is so interesting. I know this is kind of a little off from sexuality, but do you have any thoughts on that? Because, like, do you feel um, like you want to be friends with Erickson? Well, you mean, with like, as in right in this moment? Like, just well, going like, I'm just to saying, friends like, and that's it? He... No, I'm saying, like, is he somebody that you would want to be friends with if you guys didn't meet in a romantic context? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, totally. And I knew you were going to say that. Like, you enjoy <laughs> spending time with him. I wouldn't have asked you. <laughs> I might ask you <laughs> privately, but not on the right. air. Oh, would you want to be friends with him? Well, no, I've never really thought of that. Oh, well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, uh, my God. That'd be the best. But, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Because I know you no, like him. I, I know, yeah, you enjoy him. And we, we to your point, we set out in the beginning of our relationship with strict, like, he even created boundaries around our sexual like our um intimacy physical connection because he wanted to create a friendship before we added that in and made it mm-hmm. more hard to see if we really liked the person or if we just liked the right. connection physically yeah. and so it really helped us progress because in a in a more balanced way because we didn't have so many emotions swinging through right. us going do i like this man or i just like the the sex or the orgasm or the whatever the making out so we well, it also, we protected yeah, it that friendship period yeah yeah and it cre- i mean it creates a connection and but you guys were still meeting in a context in a romantic sense mm-hmm. so you guys did create friendship I guess my, like, saying going back to, like, I think that's where, you know, having trust in sexuality, I mean, it, I mean, I think it's harder if you haven't had, like, years and years and years of friendship. So, I mean, I think that this is an area I don't struggle with as much, and I don't think it's necessarily because I'm, like, more whole in this area. I think my situation just doesn't trigger that as easily. It's harder to trigger that insecurity I think but that doesn't and I think that's just our you know our circumstance so and I think you know longer time goes on and we like and I know that's a huge thing we've been talking about is like under I have an advantage of like I understand our pattern and like I understand like Caleb's pattern for like working through things or like us hitting a you know rough spot and how we work through that and it's, you know, changed obviously over time, but I know that if he's mad, he needs space. And if we've gotten enough fuss, that's what needs to happen. And if I push, that's not good. And I know that to him, me giving him space is a sign of respect. And that's very important to him. So yeah, I mean, I think I think those are the things that that's what makes a relationship so hard is because you're having to build a friendship simultaneously while working through all these triggers. That's Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. I had a thought and then it flew right out of my brain. Well, you were starting to say earlier um, about like your sexuality now versus your sexuality when you were younger and like sex was like control. I think 
tuning into my own, because I had created at a young age, this, this, um, focus on others rather than myself with my sexuality. That's, I kind of reversed the process where in the last year I've, well, longer than the last year, I have really spent time investing into my own physical body, into loving myself, into healing the wounds that my physical body carries from the choices that I made back then that weren't in alignment with myself. And so as I've intuitively gone on the journey of um, like my, my, my intuition would tell me, put your hand on this part of your body and release healing. And I would have memories come up. I'd have pain that would surface. I would have tension that would be released. I'd have more awareness of what's going on inside of me. And as I've healed that and tuned into that, I've become more open and receptive to pleasure. But before it was kind of like I was stuck. It, it was, it would be like a really long time before my body came on board, like came online. And so as I've tuned in and I've kind of cleared the density out of my body with awareness and with love and with the energy work, it's allowed me to be more open and even connected to my femininity because I had so built a strong muscle of being masculine in my energy towards sexuality that my relationship with Erickson, Erickson significantly shifted when I became more focused on embodying my femininity, because then that gave him the, the capacity to stay in his masculine. That changed the game in our, our sex life because I was, I was giving him space to lead rather than trying to lead him. And he told me, he was like, I think the best thing you ever did for a relationship is learn how to embody your femininity because then I had because we butt heads all the time around sexuality because I'm like driving it. I'm basically being the man in that situation. But when I surrendered it, I let go. I let it flow. I let go of the expectation to like have sex this many times or connect in this way. Then it created space for him to feel like I can rise up and pursue rather than me pursue him all the time. Yeah. I think for me, because I mean, I've in my journey with it of just what I started doing, I would kind of play this game with myself. I would say, okay, if there's space in like between us having sex, or like, cause we'd go through phases, like we'd like a lot. And then we'd kind of, you know, we're still like that. We kind of have waves of it. And what I started to do is I, um, in the times where there would be space, I would be like, okay, what part of our relationship is wanting to grow? aside mm. from sexuality mm. rather than feeling like, Oh, there's something wrong with us. I was like, Oh, that area of our relationship must be doing pretty good because we're taking a break from it to focus on some other areas in our relationship that need a bit more nurture because Great otherwise, yeah, because otherwise what's going to happen is our sex, our sex life is going to be the strongest part of our relationship. Mm. And that does not feel safe to me. I want do not I want it to be equal. I mean there might be times where it's a little bit more progressed or a little bit less, but I don't want it to consistently be our connection point. So because that that's out of balance. And mm -hmm. to be balanced in a relationship, you know, you need to have fun, you need to have play, 
You need to have emotion, emotional connection. You need to have lots of things, spiritual connection, intellectual connection, and practical. Like, I mean, one of the things that we've been really focusing on since the start of this year is like our money mindsets and how we're relating to money and how we see it. And we started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad at the beginning of the year. And we've like been like reading a chapter a week and then sitting down on Sunday mornings with coffee and cinnamon rolls and talking <laughs> about it. And it's You're so well cute. cute. And, but it's really, and we talked about it for a little bit and then we're like, okay, let's shake it off. Cause you know, that's a, a kind of a heavier subject, but we're nurturing those parts of our relationship mm. right now. And that and then there's ebbs and flow. I mean, not to say like we're not, we still have it. There's still, you know, all the other stuff. There's still the emotional stuff. There's still that. But just seeing that is when there's space created, it's not a punishment. Mm. Like My what job. is that space there for? And even like when things would happen, like when, especially at the beginning of our relationship, he toured like every weekend and sometimes he'd be gone for like a week or two at a time. And that was probably the most, but other than that one month we spent apart, but we spent a decent amount of time apart. Like we'd spend a couple nights a week together and that would be it. And then the rest of the time he'd be gone. And so even then I'd start going, what is this space for? What piece of me is healing while he's gone? What piece of me like needs nurture what's the and now it's you know he his schedule is a little less like that right now and now we're getting to kind of nurture those parts within our relationship but I think that's a really great way to look at sexuality of it it it's wonderful it's amazing but I think we also need to not give it more weight in our relationships than it you know than everything else yeah and just a different perspective too with um my boyfriend working through his own sexuality and I have permission to share about this but with him working through his own shame and things coming up inside of him because I'm able to look at like if he's offline because he's working through his stuff but I'm online it it can feel frustrating because you're like, oh, but I'm open, I'm ready, you know, and he's not. But instead of, which I'm not saying I don't get frustrated because I do. But in this, I've looked at it like Victoria is kind of saying an invitation into, okay, how can I get more on my own team? So maybe this is an opportunity to spend more time getting to know myself and connecting intimately to myself. Because he doesn't have the capacity to be turned on, open to that connection. And that's fine. That's what he needs. So rather than getting mad at him and being like, well, he's just, we're just not compatible because he's just not ready to be on the same page as me. I had to let go of my ego in that because I did. I was like, uh, well, I've been doing all this work on my sexuality and I'm ready and you're not. And it was frustrating at first because I'm like, is this going to be forever? And you start panicking. You're like, I want someone who's more on my on the same page as me. And and I had to go, OK, but I'm looking at the long game here and I'm seeing the progress. I'm seeing the the openness to him looking at things, the the even the baby steps he's taking may not look like mine and where I'm at, but I see him being open to change and actively doing his own work. I'm not pressuring him. I'm not trying to get him to go somewhere with it. He is taking ownership and maybe he's not in the space that I'm in and that's okay. 
that means I get to go deeper within myself and heal and get more connected to my own body, my own sexuality, so that whenever he's ready, I can show up in that and meet him there rather than sitting with resentment and bitterness and getting mad at him for not being there with me. I'm using it as an invitation into greater connection with myself. Yeah. And I think that's a great perspective to have because that's the part you can, you have power over. And Mm -hmm. anytime we start looking at something outside of us as the problem, this needs to change for us to be okay. We're screwed because we don't have control over that. So as long as they're in a space, you know, as long as they're in a rough spot, we can't be okay. Or as long as this thing is going on, which we don't have control over that. And then we try to control it. And then that's always fun. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think I, yeah, I, I feel like this conversation, even about sexuality, I really not saying we're going to do like a part one, a part two, a part three, a part, you know, like that. But I do think it's, a conversation that Laura and I really want to open up and continue to have it open and continue talking about these things um, because it is so important and it's so needed. And we, you know, as women and as this divine femininity is waking up, you know, we are waking up to the realization that like we've been using, I think collectively, I think we're seeing, you can even see this in Hollywood. Oh, we've been using sex to control men Mm -hmm. and to step back and to say, what is that doing to us? How is that affecting? Do we feel like we're allowed to have pleasure is our only job to provide pleasure and really. And I think taking this time to just step back in and heal that part of ourselves that, you know, our sexuality. And, and I don't think that's just with a partner. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm single. So no, please, this is your, you never will stop, stop working on your own sexuality. So whether you're with a partner and it's interesting to me now that I'm in a relationship, mine and his sex life can be good. And my sexuality with myself is still not. And I am very shocked by that. And because our relationship is actually its own living, breathing thing. And I am playing a role in it, but it's not, it's, it's, it's its own thing. So I can step away from it and still like, and that, and if I'm not careful, then that, that relationship will be a source of life for me because I haven't nurtured those parts of myself enough. So it's important, you know, to be giving life into your relationship rather than using it as a lifeline. And I think part of that is us healing our sexuality and giving to that and nurturing that place inside of us. So true. I definitely struggle with having like when I, before, when I was single, it was easier for me to be connected to my sexuality, to be connected to myself, to be you know, showing up for me. But then when I brought in someone else, I actually felt myself that codependency, that like shift of like, oh, this is now my focus and finding myself not wanting to even tune in to myself, like for me and going, okay, so there's still some balancing there 
that I get to do even within relationship. It's not like all of a sudden, oh, now I have a relationship. I don't need to connect myself or take time for myself. No, it's equally important that we are self-nurturing and tuning into us and our needs first. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so we just want to start opening up this dialogue and there's so many, I I mean, sexuality is such a big, broad topic and I definitely don't think this is something we can stuff into an episode. Like, you know, I mean, there's so many facets of it and I think really today what we wanted to do was just start the conversation and open this up. And we wanted to release this before Valentine's day because not just because there's like, Oh, it's Valentine's day. And it's all about love. And there's an energy around connecting with self and connecting with others. Like there's an energetic like opportunity right now to lean in to this place in us and heal. And anytime that there's, and this is, it's, it's interesting. Anytime there's a ton of, even if it's external, like pop culture, like Valentine's day, where there's a lot of energy put and focused on an area, whether or not you're like, Oh that, yeah, but that's just a holiday graded by blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. There is mass consciousness energy being put on the idea of relationships and love and connection. So use this energy that's there, whether it's made by the stars or made by us, we're creators just because, you know, it's a holiday and a calendar doesn't mean that that energy is any less real. We created that energy. So lean into this and wherever you are with, so really, yeah, this episode is about sexuality, but it's about connection. It's about connection with self. It's about connection with our bodies. It's about connection with our femininity, our masculinity, our connection with others. So really leaning in and just asking yourself, like, where am I? Just check in. You don't have to heal it. You don't have to just check and be really honest, whether you are in a relationship or you're not where, how do I feel about that connection within myself now? And if you are in a partnership, how do I feel about that connection with this other person and, or any feelings you have around it, just honoring them and because they're coming to the surface because it's time to heal them and it's time to expand them. And maybe they're amazing. Maybe they have like a beautiful, you know, relationship with your sexuality and connection with self and partner. And I love that. Great. Lean into this and expand and see where it wants to take you because you're not done either. So you always can get more expanded. See how that energy can actually fuel other areas of your life, such as finances or such as how you're showing up in the world or such as even like your spiritual world, like where can that beautiful whole energy, like where can you shift that else elsewhere and use that as a catalyst for other areas of your life? I've done that. I have a personal example of that (laughs) because uh, money and love are tied. As I am connecting with my boyfriend. And at the very end of having sex, I'm sitting in that energy of feeling safe, of feeling connected, of feeling nurtured, of like everything in my being is still. And I envision and attach that same feeling to receiving and having money. So I'm connecting and feeling how good it feels to feel this safe with money 
just as it feels good in love. It feels so safe to have abundance, to feel expanded, to feel really at peace, to feel empowered and associating that and shifting that energy out towards other things. And on a separate note, as you are looking and identifying what's going on inside with your beliefs or your feelings around your sexuality, really leaning into um, self-love and letting go of the shame and, and that that sense of like hiding or self-protecting, but really leaning into the surrender and the freedom and the love even. And I, cause I feel like especially Valentine's day can be a very triggering holiday for people. And so letting the, the shame or the pain or the lack of having someone there as that's coming up inside, leaning into how can I shift and mold that to add to my journey or add to my self-love or my self-connection or receiving love from other sources. Maybe it's not from a partner, but allowing yourself to be loved by your friends in a deeper way, allowing yourself to take yourself on a date and self-nurture yourself, but leaning into that rather than the shame or the lack or the scarcity. Yeah. So with that, guys, we just want to tell you that you're loved and all the love is coming from here to, from us to you and just give yourself a big hug today. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your journeys that you're on with your own sexuality. And uh, we would love to hear what you think of this episode. You can find us at The Generator on Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode on iTunes or wherever you are listening. And if you do, please tag us so and take a screenshot and send it to us so we can uh, just enter, send you love and grace also and enter you into a contest to, read a thir- to win a 30-minute free astrological reading. You can also find us on our website at thegeneratorpodcast.online um, and you can email us at thegeneratorpodcast at gmail.com. So is there anything I missed? No, but if any of this was triggering for you guys, Go back to the beginning of the episode and go back through the breath work and the meditation to reground yourself. And that will really help kind of bring you back into your body. I love that idea. Okay. Well, everybody have a lovely week. We love you. Bye.